0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
1: This is Internet Marketing. Hello and welcome to the Internet Marketing Podcast brought to you by Site Visibility. I'm your host, Scott Colnutt. And today with me is Vivica von Rosen, co-founder and chief visibility officer at VenGreso, and we're going to be talking about how to master LinkedIn in 2021. Welcome to the podcast, Vivica.
0: Oh, thank you so much. I uh, I'm happy to be here, and we were just talking in the green room. There's so many cool new features. I'm excited to to bring to the table. So let's get started.
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, and to to set the the episode up for both you and our listeners and actually for myself. I've We don't record so many episodes specifically on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what that is. It's just the way it's worked out. But I am interested in LinkedIn is, has become my secondary social media platform, if you can still consider it that. So I use Twitter primarily. And maybe five to 10 years ago, I knew of LinkedIn. I maybe had a profile, but I never really used it yeah. regularly. But now... It's a platform that I use either every day or every other day. I'm still at a funny place with it to set up this episode (laughs) again. So uh, it's not that I'm uncomfortable using LinkedIn, but it's developed so much. There are so many new features that I'm sure we'll talk about in this episode that I think it's just about finding what is comfortable and authentic to you to post and engage with on LinkedIn. And that's the the art that I'm trying to master and also how much time that I want to dedicate to it too. It's a chance in this episode to refresh our memories of how LinkedIn can be used, who's using it, and some of the latest features that you might not know about that maybe you can experiment with. And I think you're the perfect person. I've seen your content to talk about these kind of topics.
0: No, thank you. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So uh, do you just want to take a moment to introduce yourself to our listeners and anything else uh, that our listeners should know about you and your expertise on LinkedIn?
0: Sure. Um, So my name is Vivika Von Rosen, which you got absolutely correct. Cause there's a new feature on LinkedIn called voice pronunciation. So if you've got a difficult name like mine, you want to make use of that feature. Um, I'm a LinkedIn speaker author. I've written two books. I'm a LinkedIn learning, um, author as well. I've got a couple courses on LinkedIn right now. And then about four years ago, I was at that point as a solopreneur entrepreneur, I was kind of like, okay, I've been doing LinkedIn for, you know, 12 years. I'm bored to tears. What, what should I be doing next? And about that time, um, my now partner, Mario Martinez Jr. reached out and said, Hey, you know, instead of competing against each other, why don't we create like an Uber social selling sales transformation company? And so myself and seven others were now whittled down to four, came together and created Vangresso. And so it's myself, Mario Martinez, Kurt Shaver, and Bernie Borges, which has been pretty exciting. And we, I mean, I don't want to sound happy about this, but COVID's actually been a good year for us because we teach people how to get to hello, how to use LinkedIn to create quality uh, conversations with their connections and with their prospects. And it's what we do is very needed right now as people shift, especially salespeople shift from field sales conferences, trade shows to, I got to do everything on Zoom now. I don't know how to do it. And so LinkedIn is a phenomenal tool. It's almost replacing in some ways, the conference, the trade show as a place where you can go to find those prospects, find those leads. And of course, if you're a solopreneur, entrepreneur, marketer, leads doesn't necessarily mean people buying from you, but in fact, the prospects that you need to engage with in order to grow your company. It might be new employees, it might be contractors, it might be strategic partners, whatever lead means to you.
1: I hadn't really thought about that point about the pandemic accelerating LinkedIn's use, but it makes sense now. And I'm wondering myself whether that's a reason that I've been using LinkedIn more as well. I can't say that I, you know, I'm not typically a sales orientated person, but my role in the company at Site Visibility, I'm responsible for sales, for marketing. And so I know I need to be on LinkedIn to do that. But having thought about it, there is that absence of in-person events, um, yeah. in-person networking. And so it makes sense, perhaps, that me and others are maybe spending more time on LinkedIn and have done so over this last year. I am interested to know, so you've written the book on LinkedIn an hour a day. Yeah. And I'm curious, and that was, a. Uh, where are we now? That was eight or nine Ten years, years ago now? Ten years ago. <laughs> Ten years ago, yeah. <laughs> it's all so, <laughs> well I'm sure as we one thing that I'm interested in as we talk through this episode is I'm sure there are going to be some principles in that book that still apply today. Yeah. Um I have no doubt about that although some of the features and functionality have changed. But I'm curious to know your LinkedIn routine as a starting point sure. today.
0: So yeah, and like, folks, don't buy that
1: book. Don't buy that
0: book. Don't buy, don't buy that book. It's it's 10 years old. That's like 150 in social media years. <laughs> like it is so, so, so out of date. Um, that being said, it was funny when when they came to me and said, you know, Wiley came to me and said, Hey, we want you to write a book. Yay, okay, I'll write anything you want because it's like a real publishing company. And they said, Okay, it's part of the series hour a day. And I was thinking to myself, no one's gonna spend a freaking hour a day on LinkedIn. But you know, now, especially with COVID and the fact that we, we are, you know, relying on our, our online relationships to build our businesses. We are spending an hour a day. So there you go. I was just way, way, way ahead of my time. But, uh, as far as my own link, LinkedIn routine, it's funny because my role is chief visibility officer. So like you, Scott, I, I'm not as involved in the sales except for the fact that I'm involved in creating, uh, you know, more visibility for our name out there on LinkedIn. So what I do is going to differ a little bit from what the sales department would do or what our customer service folks would do or what our graphic and marketing team would do. So I'll speak to mine, but then of course I can answer any questions for any of those other divisions as well. Um, so first thing, you know, I open up LinkedIn. That's, I, I laugh, but, You even said it, you get on LinkedIn a couple of times a day. So I would recommend if your audience is on LinkedIn, jump in every day. The first thing I do is I check my invitations to connect. Now I'm like you, I'm very out there. So most of my engagement on LinkedIn is inbound. So it's people saying, Hey, I listened to your podcast. I listened to your live. I saw you, your article here. Would you like to connect? So I'll go into my invitations to connect. See who's there. And we'll talk about the spam piece in just a bit. You know, see what's spammy, see what's real. And then I'll, um, I'll, I'll go through it. I send everybody a message because even if I'm not going to connect with you, I can still send you a message. And I use video to do that because it differentiates me from everybody else, but I'll send a quick message both to the people I accept and those I don't. And then that generally leads to more activity in my inbox. So then I can. Continue the conversation with someone who's a good prospect for me, which will then hopefully lead to the phone call. So almost everything I do is to get those inbound leads that I can then port off to my sales team. I'll also create, create content, not, I mean, I blog once in a while, but um, now we've got a whole team that does that. So when I say create content, I'll create a native post or a native video that points to content that the marketing team has already created. Thank you marketing team. Cause I'm graphically impaired. So it looks way better when they do it. And then sometimes I'll just get into our social sharing tool. We use everyone's social, but there's some great ones out there. Agora, Pulse, Hootsuite, Hubs. You know, there's a bunch of really good tools out there and I'll make sure that I've got enough content going out to keep myself visible to my audience over the next week. And then I'll go into my notifications and see what kind of activity I've received from that content that I've put out there. See if there's someone there that, again, I need to continue the conversation with. And then, of course, I'll go and do that. We use scheduling tools, so there's not this back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And, um, that's pretty much what my day looks like. Of course, if we have a big launch that we're doing, like we just launched a new piece of software called fly message, I'll have to go into my profile and change the background image and change my header a little bit and add a new experience section to promote the con uh, the product in this case. But that's, that's not every day. That's probably, you know, well, it's whenever we have something new to launch. So, Your LinkedIn profile can be relatively static, but your activity needs to be daily.
1: And I need to get to that spam piece and invitation, like everyone. And that's why I'm so excited about this episode, because these (laughs) are burning questions that I have. So as I said, I've been using LinkedIn more over the last year. So I've started to notice, I guess, my behavior and being conscious of my behavior. And I've just got over the, I'm around the, uh, I think it's like 1,000 or something connections. So not that many. It's pretty average, I think. And then I was looking in in research for this episode. I saw that you had, I think at the time, maybe forty four, forty five thousand 45,000 connections or followers, followers, however you subscribe followers. them. Yeah. And it's just, a, I imagine you just get a crazy, crazy number. I get I get a crazy number of invitations at the level that I'm at. And so you must get just a crazy number. And I just need to know how you manage that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I get about 100 a day. So, um, wow. Now, I'm at my limit of connections, which is 30,000. You can have as many followers. It's like Twitter, right? You can have as many followers as you want, but you can only have a certain number of connections. So I have to be and i recommend everybody else be really discerning too when it comes to connecting to people on linkedin for for a few different reasons now the reason i'm at 30,000 is i've been on it for 16 years i've written two books on it i'm a linkedin learning author you know i'm i'm literally the at linkedin expert um on all the socials so i you know <laughs> i get a lot of invitations and so even culling the, you know, 90% out, I'm still at my limit. But 1,000 to somewhere between 1,000 and 5,000 connections, I think is actually prime because it's definitely big enough that you're exposed to the bigger networks out there, but it's also manageable. And what you start to see in your feed is relevant to you. Whereas with 30,000 connections, even though, all right, I was going to say I do it, but my assistant does it. Uh, but even though my assistant goes in and weeds people out, it's still way too big of a network to manage. So I'm very, very discerning. And I, But I recommend everybody be too. Another reason for that is, and then I'll actually answer your question. Another reason for that is when it comes to sharing content on LinkedIn, it's not how big your network is anymore. It doesn't matter. It's how interested your network is, on your content. So if I share something out there, I'm connected to 30,000 people, but only eight are interested in my content and only spend time looking at it. LinkedIn looks at that and says, man, out of 30,000, only eight people give a, you know what, we're not going to promote this. We're not going to make this very visible. Whereas if Scott, you were sharing content and 300 of your 1000 connections are engaging, looking at reading your content, LinkedIn's going to go, Oh, nice percentage. Let's open it up. Not only to the rest of your existing network, but beyond that, not only your connections, but beyond that into your existing network. That's what I meant to say. So your first Mm -hmm. and second level connection. So that's why having a quality and smaller network is more important. So how do you manage spam? Most people, like I said, I'll send a response to everybody because, hey, you know, maybe they didn't know they were supposed to customize the invitation to connect. Maybe, you know, maybe they're not actually working at that company. They just haven't updated their profile. So now they're working here. So I never know who's inviting me to connect. So I send a message to everybody. Um, I just simply don't accept anyone except for the folks that it makes sense in my world what I do to accept that invitation. Now, if there's someone really obnoxious, I will not only block them, I'll report them. Like I've had an automation, by the way, I don't like it. And LinkedIn doesn't like it. And it's really obvious when you automate a message, but I got this one message, dear sir, I noticed that you're in cleaning industry, in the cleaning industry. Like I am, if you'd like more leads like this, Just let me know. We do automated lead generation on LinkedIn. So dear sir, um, like clearly didn't even look at my picture because not a sir. I'm not in the cleaning supply industry. Where did they, you know, what, where'd they get that from? I'm absolutely not interested in getting leads like this because they're worthless. And, you know, finally automation goes against LinkedIn's end user agreement. So. Invitations like that, I will absolutely block and report. Same thing, you know, hey, uh, ma'am, you know, not even customized, you know, we can really help you with your LinkedIn profile makeover. What, with the book I wrote? You know, <laughs> so, <laughs> some of those folks definitely get a block and report. Most people, yeah. I just archive the invitation and some people I'll respond to. That's interesting. And,
1: Yeah. I mean, like I said, I get maybe a few connection requests a day at this point on average. And I'm getting to the point now where I'm kind of considering, it's actually made me think a little bit about, at one point I was probably accepting all invitations, but I think I'm on the cusp just being around the thousand mark where, like you said, in my feed, it's still pretty relevant, but every now and then, every now and then I'm starting to see that spam creep into my feed a bit as well. Yes, And so, like you said, in in almost protection of your visibility, you need to be conscious when you start to see that, it sounds like, of who you're accepting, because otherwise you're going to reduce your visibility through essentially the ratio of your number of connections or followers to the engagement of your posts. Is that fair?
0: Yeah, that's that's
1: spot on. And on the automation front, um, you mentioned an assistant there. And so everything, all of the connection requests are being accepted or archived manually. That's yep. how, you, that's how you approach yep. it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I do that. And, and actually my assistant will, will sometimes go in and, and delete, like I'll say, just delete everybody with this title or here. Cause this is not, you know, my industry. She, uh, she deleted my husband once. So <laughs> 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 it's like, well, maybe not, my maybe not my husband. But <laughs> yeah. who's actually a really, he's also my buyer persona. So that, I, I don't know what was up with that that day. But yeah, I, because it's awkward when your assistant goes in and sends a message um, to your cousin, uh, that, that looks weird. And so I take on most of my own engagement. Plus you're not supposed to have an assistant in there. So as far as, you know, delegating the routines, there's some that you can do it still goes against LinkedIn's end user agreement, but automation, I absolutely won't do anymore. And I don't recommend people do it because they do it wrong. And the problem is people are hiring these automation companies or using these automation tools and, and then they get restricted or they get their accounts deleted. (laughs) Let's not even get into that conversation and they get their accounts deleted. And, um, you know, and, and, the company that they're paying a thousand dollars a month to doesn't care. The tool that they're paying, you know, 19 a month to doesn't care. But now they're up a creek because they don't, they can't access LinkedIn again. And they either have to mm. beg LinkedIn to reinstate them or they have to start all over again. So automation, just stay away from it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Stay away from it. Don't get your profile deleted and also yeah. avoid those, Avoid those rough nights at the dinner table when your husband's staring at you and wondering <laughs> exactly. why you deleted it. Okay, uh, understood. Okay, so I'm going to move on to posting engagement sure. aspects of LinkedIn. So kind of where you should be posting, what you should be posting, maybe times or formats. And I'm interested as a starting point in group engagement. So <laughs> at one, at one point, yeah, yeah okay, well, there's my answer. Uh, well, and
0: yes I, I, no, like groups yeah. used to be it, right? Um, but then mm-hmm. the, the spammers caught on to that. And because they abused groups so badly, LinkedIn just really tightened up the security around it, which meant that they threw the baby out with the bathwater. And now, you know, you live and die by notifications when you're sharing content. And half the time you don't get notifications on your group, group engagement. So you don't even know if someone's having a conversation with you. So I'm not a huge fan of groups. I don't spend any time there. That being said, we're working with a company right now that has a very unique, um, they create the resin for piping. And so it's hard harder for them to find their buyer persona, their targets on LinkedIn. But there are some groups in the real, real world that anyone who's a member of that group in the real world, like Aspie, et cetera, they're a target audience, they're, they're a target. And so for them... I'd say, okay, go join the Aspie group on LinkedIn because now you have an opportunity to see who's in it. Plus, if you're in a group, you can message the group member directly, which is why all the spam happened. You can message the group member directly and start that conversation without even having to connect and without paying for Sales Navigator. So Mm -hmm. in that way, groups are good because you can find your target audience and start a conversation. But as far as creating a group to position yourself as a thought leader or you know, sharing contents in group to position yourself as a thought leader. I just don't think they get that much visibility. If you happen to find a group with an awesome moderator who's spending most of his or her day moderating the group, it might be worth it, but those are few and far between. Many of us have those stubborn
1: pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. Yeah, understood. And that's something I was kind of expecting, but it's good to hear that yeah. from you. I remember, I remember at one point that, and this is the, probably the because I'm in marketing, this is probably where the problems occurred, is that yeah. marketers cottoned on to the fact that there was lots of uh, LinkedIn group engagement, and then eventually it became overwhelming and full oh, spam so, so spammy. and it, it kind of feels like the community aspect of what was formerly groups on LinkedIn where people were formally engaging has kind of moved on to Facebook groups or yes, even Slack,
0: literally. Slack
1: channels and stuff now yeah so it's kind of they've they've migrated over
0: Um, Yeah, I had a, I had a group on LinkedIn, which was, you know, for LinkedIn experts, which was meh. And then we took it to, I think you're part of that group in Andy's group. But anyway, we took it to Google plus and then they disbanded Google plus. So then Andy, and I was like, I cannot do this anymore. So then Andy started it in Facebook and it's a great, vibrant, engaging group. But how ironic is that we had to take our LinkedIn experts group into Facebook in order for it to work.
1: Yeah. That's when I feel bad about marketers. Yeah. So sorry. Sorry, everyone that's listening that's not a marketer. Sorry for that. Sorry for ruining LinkedIn. <laughs> but maybe, yeah. maybe it sounds like that. Don't be put off entirely. Maybe just check out, particularly if you're in a niche industry, as Vivica says, yeah. check out just to see if there are any active groups. On to best times to engage. I'm always torn and curious about this topic, but have you seen any particular hours of the day that see better engagement than others?
0: Well, it's funny. I used to say, uh, during your commute, but you know, <laughs> during your five minute commute down to the basement. Um, so <laughs> yeah, it's still working hours, um, wherever your audience is. Now, of course, if you've got a multinational international, Audience, then you, you, you can use scheduling tools and kind of promote your content throughout, you know, 24 seven. I know for me, I don't get on LinkedIn in the weekend. It's like, I don't get on my work computer. I don't get on LinkedIn in the weekend. I have learned how to create those boundaries for myself because I working at home, you, you literally could be working 24 seven and, you know, maybe you feed the kid and the dog once in a while, but you're like in your basement and, um, that, that doesn't work for me anymore. So I have very hard start and stop times in my day and I don't work on the weekends. So if other people are like me trying to find that work-life balance, then I would say on LinkedIn, working hours, the working hours of your audience and wherever they are. But weekend engagement just doesn't seem to do that well. So yeah, I just, nine to five, eight to six, whatever it is. Um, that's that's when I get the most, my, my engagement.
1: Perfect. And this is an area that I know you're passionate about and I'm also curious about and posting formats. So I know that yeah. you recommend, because I've seen your content about your recommendation to post natively, but just because I'm curious and there's so much that's been developed on LinkedIn. So I'm curious to know if you think there are any native formats on LinkedIn that you think are kind of criminally underutilized. So I see a lot, a lot of people sharing yeah. posts and images, a little bit of video content, and I don't know what you call them, but the the carousel or slide type posts. Yeah,
0: yeah, the 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 document. So mm. the, I'll I'll kind of put I'll, I'll reverse your your question a little bit and tell you what what works really well and what doesn't, which is also un, you know utilized underutilized. So. Yeah. Whatever is new on LinkedIn is what you should be doing because LinkedIn always amps up the algorithm of around whatever's new. So to your point, the carousel images, it's not that new, it's like over a year old, but you can upload PDFs or PowerPoint presentations. LinkedIn will put them into a carousel. And I think the reason it gets so much juice is Number one, because people, it's that dwell time algorithm I was talking about. Mm -hmm. People are on there flipping through the different screens. And so LinkedIn's going, okay, they're on here for a minute, for 90 seconds. That's, that's pretty good we're going to amplify and make that post visible to more people. So the the little, it's a little icon that looks like a piece of paper, which is a little deceiving, but that piece of paper icon is for documents and the documents you want to upload are either a PowerPoint or a PDF. So that works really well. Um, native video still works really well. I recommend captioning it if you can. That takes a, a lot more time and effort, but it's worth it for people who are scrolling through, especially if they're, you know, they're at the dinner table. Well, hopefully not the dinner table, but they're in the living room with their family. Their family's watching TV. They don't want to play the video, but they can read the captions. So native video's good. Really a- anything, a-, a link to a blog post, a podcast, etc. Anything's good. What, what people ignore or don't utilize enough is the basically the description Around the media that they're sharing, so you get 1,200 characters to let people know. You know, this type of people, these type, this type of audience should be reading my content. This is what's in the content: the video, the slide share, whatever. You know, what do you think about the video, the slide share, the media, whatever? Um, make sure to you know let me know in comments below, and then adding some hashtags, some emojis, some things to make it visually interesting. But utilizing that 1,200 characters. Also helps with dwell time because most people will read it. I always use bullet points or numbers in there so people know where to go to get the juice. And then they're like, okay, this sounds like this is a good video blog post carousel that I should um, review. And you know, you got to earn their time. There's so much. There's just so much on all the socials. And unless it's triggering for you, i.e. political, et cetera, you're probably not gonna stand, sit and read it. So there has to be something in it for you. Well, I might not know just looking at the first page of a carousel or looking at the frozen face of somebody in a video or seeing just a link to a blog post. I might not know what's in it for me. But if the author of that content has taken the time to describe what's in it for me and why I should be reading it, then I'm a lot more likely to do so. So that's, I think, what people underutilize the most is that description, that 1,200 character, not word, but 1,200 character description section, which might take you five minutes more when you're sharing content to write out, but it'll make all the difference in the world as far as what people are sticking to, reading, and responding to. And then, of course, you want those calls CTAs. Click through, read this, let me know. Um, Otherwise, people are just going to read it, but they're not going to engage with you. And it's the engagement you want because that's where you start your conversation.
1: Yeah, I know. As you're saying that, it's ringing bells in my mind because (laughs) I use LinkedIn. I post relatively frequently or engage relatively frequently on LinkedIn, but I know that I'm guilty of not encouraging conversation for the things that I share. And I think for me, just thinking out loud, it's there's maybe... One, it's probably just laziness. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm more of a social media lurker, I'm more of an introvert yeah. than an extrovert. So that's probably part of it. But I think there is still a little bit of fear there sometimes. Just you think, well, what if I share or invite conversation and nobody responds? That can feel right. quite like a little, you can feel a little bit, little bit nervy about that.
0: Yeah, no, I totally get that. And mm-hmm. at first they might not, but the more you share natively, um, the more likely LinkedIn is to, you know, is to promote it and you will get more engagement, which is why, like I said earlier, you, you know, you live and die by those notifications. If you don't want to scroll through your, your timeline and see like eight likes, two likes, no comments, just keep an eye on your notifications, like ignore your timeline after you posted, but Definitely keep an eye on your notifications because you, you want to make the most of that opportunity when a lead actually reaches out to you. And what's interesting, um, a friend of mine who's also a LinkedIn learner, um, she and I were having a conversation. She said, you know, I get a lot of engagement on my posts. It's, but all of my clients who found me on LinkedIn, they, they read my posts, but they don't engage on it. So even if you feel like, Oh man, I put it out there. No one liked it. No one engaged on it. People are still seeing it and it's still allowing you to stay top of mind with that individual. So when they are ready for your product or service, they'll reach out to you. And that's, you know, and, and that's what happens, even though sometimes it feels like you're, you're speaking into a void. (laughs)
1: actually you've just touched on something that i wasn't going to ask but you've just jogged my memory on this linkedin (laughs) learning so i remember at the point in time where i think it was linda linda yeah purchased yeah or acquired and they were going through an exercise of securing trainers experts like yourself to launch the platform this was a few years ago now what's the situation with linkedin learning at the moment are linkedin still is there still kind of a a gatekeeper there or can anybody before oh, yeah. from LinkedIn? <laughs> right. So it's yeah, more no, controlled
0: su- than platforms. Super gatekeeper. Like I, I, I'm, I've, the reason I got into LinkedIn, it's, it's kind of a long tail. So my first book was with Wiley, LinkedIn Marketing in Our Day. My um, executive producer on that was Willem. I want to say Defoe, but that's not it. Sorry, Willem. I'm totally spacing your last name. I apologize for that. Anyway, Willem was hired away from Wiley into lynda.com. So when Linda was looking for someone to to do a LinkedIn course William's like, oh I got the person for you and so I got into Linda and then once I was into Linda and was doing the LinkedIn stuff of course once LinkedIn bought them then they kept me but it is but it's very hard to become a LinkedIn learning author it's not like you to me and in fact I'll reach out to my now producers um, Nicole and and say hey I've got an idea for a new course and she's like okay let me let 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 me go to bat for you. And, you know, half the time, well, okay, not even then, 30% of the time LinkedIn learning goes for it. And the other 70% of the time they're like, yeah, no, we already have something. So if you, if you have a very, very unique point of view, a very, very unique product or service, um, uh, instruction, you can try, but it is. It's it's harder, I think, to get on LinkedIn learning than it is to get into a publisher anymore.
1: And just a quick plug as we're talking about that and your work on LinkedIn learning. So um yeah. I remember seeing, I think you've got three courses, is it? One on B2B marketing, one on B2B
0: marketing, employer advocacy. Um, we dropped the other one, which was on ads because there's just a better person to do ads. And we dropped the LinkedIn for business because I um introduced them to my friend Michaela, who does better job than I do on company pages. So they, they had her do the company page one. So it's, um yeah, I just have two courses right now. Working on a third, but only two up.
1: Can you give us any preview about what the third's about?
0: No, I'm not allowed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's okay. Well, what I will say is for our listeners, if you're interested in this podcast, you're enjoying Vivica's content that she's sharing, I'll link to those in the show notes so you can learn more. Um, and we'll share more links to that uh, later on in this episode. Um, and just going back to posting an engagement, I'm curious yeah. about hashtag etiquette. And the reason yeah. I say this, the reason it's a burning question is because hashtags on LinkedIn, from my awareness, they just weren't there one day. And then all of right. a the sudden they were. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah. now I'm back in that zone when I'm sharing things where I'm, again, I'm thinking to myself, well, how and where and mainly how, how many yeah. in terms of LinkedIn before someone looks at your content and thinks, oh, that's a bit much. So yeah, exactly.
0: Your- I say somewhere between three and five. And I recommend one niche one, you know, so or I'm sorry, one unique one. So unique to you that no one else is going to use because that helps you find your content and um, see the engagement on your content. So we have a few, like we've got Gresso Vids. Anytime one of the found or anyone in our company creates a video, we use hashtag Gresso Vids. We've got Gresso Picks. You know, self-explanatory. We've got Vangresso Awards. So, if uh, when our clients go through our program or learners go through our program, they get a, a cert- certification at the end, and then they use the hashtag Vangresso Awards, and then that way we can congratulate all our learners on on their successful completion of our program. So, something unique to you. It could be your name. Uh, th- th- just something unique to you that probably no one else is going to use that you use mainly to track your content because it's a little bit spaghetti on the wall with content on any social platform. The other thing is something niche. So while other people might use selling with LinkedIn, selling with sales navigator, selling with video, those are literally our programs. And so we use that, those niche hashtags that other people can use and help promote our content. And we don't own them, own them per se although we do have the, the the URLs, but that is a little bit more common, but still niche enough within our industry that it would mean something to us and to our learners and to our prospects. And then you want to use the third type of hashtag you want to use is something that's uh, like a good keyword, social selling, um, you know, uh, the, the whatever, whatever keyword in your industry you might use that just think Google search. Like if someone was looking for someone like you, what would they be Googling? That's a good hashtag to use. And then the fourth one is, is more for brick and mortar businesses. So they don't work nearly as well as location hashtags on Instagram, but if you want to do a location hashtag, you can do that too. um, If you've got more of a brick and mortar business. And so, you know, one of each, maybe two of each, but you're kind of pushing it. Once you get past six hashtags, it looks, it just looks, it starts to look a little markety, a little spammy.
1: Yeah. A little spammy. That's maybe how I think of it too. Yeah. It's always funny. You reach that moment when you're posting something where you're like, oh, one more. And then your mind's like, no, that's too many. And
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And now it's spam. <laughs>
1: Um, And do you use the auto suggest hashtags for your hashtag research on LinkedIn? Or are there any other third party tools that you're aware of that enable you to do a really good job of hashtag research?
0: There probably are, but you'd have to ask my marketing team. Yeah, I'm lazy. So I just use a unique... Um, whatever I'm talking about, there's, we usually have a niche hashtag about whatever, you know, we, we do these marketing sprints. So I kind of know what the sprint is for this quarter. Um, so I'll use that hashtag. Obviously if we're launching a new product or a new service, we'll use that, 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 uh, niche hashtag around the product or the service. Um, once in a while, you know, once in a while, something will pop up in the suggestions. Like, Oh yeah, click. I should use that one. But most of the time I'm just doing it more organically, um, But, you know, my marketing team probably is a different answer.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, for me, just I've used hashtag research tools in the past and they're always helpful. Yeah. Generally generally um hashtags that are used on one platform are used across others as well yes but i really, yeah. I, I find the auto suggest hashtags on linkedin quite useful actually yeah
0: yeah once in a while really... something will pop up i'm like oh yeah that's a good one
1: <laughs> okay uh, and moving on to profiles and pages yes so i read starting i'll start off with employee or personal profiles on linkedin yeah. and there was a i can't remember i'll, I'll link to it if i remember where it's from but Again, as I was doing research for this episode, I was watching a video of yours. And in the video, you were talking about how you should think of your profile on LinkedIn as a resource, not a resume, which I really yeah. liked and just to share as part of this episode. And I think, I can't remember that video was from a few years ago now, but I think that's still applicable
0: today. Still absolutely relevant. Yeah. And it's interesting. And I, and I know the questions are this way for a reason, but when we're teaching LinkedIn, I just want to put it out there. Don't start posting on LinkedIn until your profile looks good. Cause it's like going to a conference or a trade show, like with a paper bag over your head or in something completely inappropriate, um, like no clothes at all. So you want to make sure that your profile looks good because when you start posting and engaging on LinkedIn, people will be going back to your profile. So now you've gained their trust. They're like, yeah, I like what he has to say. And then they pop back into your profile and they're like, Oh yeah, never mind." You know, <laughs> it's kind of like the bad date. So mm. make sure that your profile looks good before you start with, you know connecting and posting, et cetera. That being said, yeah, you want your profile to be a resource, not a resume. and just think about yourself. like do you care about me? No, not really, but you care about how I can help you. And so your entire your entire profile should be buyer centric, focused on your buyers. What's in it for them? What's their point of pain? How do you help with their point of pain? How do you solve their point of pain? What are their greatest desires? How do you fulfill those desires? So, you know, marketing 101, it's not, you know, I have 25 plus years in blah, blah, blah. And kind of as a, a, a funny, a funny story, um, we obviously work with, with big companies. And so we were working with this big, big company that happens to be in social selling. They just do something different than what we do. And they're like, oh no, we got it named. We're, we're, you know, we got it made. We're we're rocking it. We're awesome. We, we don't need you. And so we're like, okay, cool. Um, do you have five more minutes? Yes. All right. So I'm pulling up your company here and sorting by your salespeople because, you know, we don't expect your back end people to have awesome profiles. But, you know, let's, let's just sort by sales and see who's out there. So the first person who came up had a skull and crossbones background image, which yeah, which was totally against kind of the branding of this company, which was not skull and crossbones. The second person was like, quote, a crushing sales guy, 25 years in the president's club. And that's exactly what, you know, that guy sounded like, you know, it's just like, mm-hmm. Ew, I don't want to deal. I don't want to work with someone. Like, quote, a crushing sales guy, like, but, I don't want to work with that dude. If that dude's looking for a job, that's one thing. And it was a dude, but I definitely don't want to work with that person as a woman, you know, in a B2B company. And then the third person still said they worked at Google. So (laughs) these are the top three profiles that showed up when we searched on this company. So after that, we landed the deal. To answer your question, you've got to have a good profile and if you have, you know, if it's more than just you and your company, you want to make sure not only that your sales team actually, but that everyone has a good profile. And the best way of doing that is create a template for them. So create one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 background images that they can upload, create a couple different versions of the headline, the headlines where most people have title at company. And if I had CVO of Vengresso, you wouldn't have a cl- clue what I did, right? Because CVO is not a com- chief visibility officer is not a common, is not a common term. And a Vangresso, like, is it soup? Is it a race car? Like, what is a Vangresso? So if I had just that in my headline section, people would move on to the next person. But instead, and this is what I recommend people do, when you're creating those templates You want the headline to speak to who you help and how you help them, helping B2B salespeople create better and more qualified conversations with their connections. And then I can talk about who I am and, and, you know, and what my title is and who I work for. But first I need a headline that speaks to my buyer, what their points of pain are and how we can help solve that in 220 characters or less. And right. And then I want to create or share media with my employees to put in the featured section because it's this beautiful, big section of LinkedIn. And so you want to get the latest and greatest content that you have on there because it's sticky and it'll stay until your salespeople get rid of it. And then you want to make sure that they've got, you know, an about section where the first line or the first sentence of the About section really intrigues the reader and gets them to click on the See More. Otherwise, you've only got 300 characters. But if they click on See More, that expands or Read More, that expands into 2,000 characters. So that's a lot of real estate where you can get into more detail about who you help and how you help them. And then finally, create a company description for the Experience section. So A, they have something in there and B, they're not misrepresenting your company. And Mm. even if you just do those things and get that in front of your, you know, get that in front of your employees and maybe do a session or two showing them how to upload this stuff and customize this stuff, your company is going to look so much more solid, again, building that credibility and building that trust with your audience.
1: That's brilliant. There's some so many great pieces of advice in there. And um, I am curious to know, just going back to something you said at the beginning there, so we all forget. So, you know, you're publishing, you're posting on LinkedIn, yeah. maybe you're trying to achieve a gain engagement, but you haven't optimized your profile yet. And yet someone's going to come and look at your profile and investigate you further. We kind yeah. of forget about that, or some people forget about that in the process. So I'm curious to know, what are, you know, for marketers or salespeople that are on LinkedIn, what are people looking at on our profiles? What are they looking for? What are we underappreciating uh, as users of LinkedIn that people really want to know about us?
0: Well, subconsciously, they want to see that branding, right? Mm. If you've got that that those mm. uniform background images across all the profiles, or even just on your profile, you know, even subconsciously, that builds credibility rather than just the blue wash. Um, and then, so they're gonna the, the heat maps show people go to your picture. So I didn't mention that, but yeah, you want to have a good picture. You want to be looking at the camera, not off to the side. You don't want, you know, the, the, the arm of your ex-girlfriend or boyfriend hanging off your shoulders. Um, you, you don't want to be wearing sunglasses. And I'm telling people, even though you might not be as groomed as you were before COVID, you do want to look like yourself. And a perfect example of this, I'm so embarrassed. We had a meeting earlier before this, um, before this call, I mentioned it earlier with, with a prospect and I knew what I knew the guy, I knew the guy because I had met him before when I was speaking at social media marketing world and content marketing world. And I just didn't recognize him because his hair had like literally grown to his shoulders. It was a good look, but it had grown to his shoulders. I literally didn't recognize him I'm like, Oh, nice to meet you. And he's like, well, we've like met like five times. I'm like, Oh my God, I totally didn't recognize you. So if he had had a more recent picture on LinkedIn, I would have seen it gone. Oh yeah. And, and, then and then not put my foot in my mouth. So, um, make sure that you've got a picture that looks like you do right now. You still want it to look professional, but if you've got a beard, if your hair is longer, if you're wearing glasses, if you're not wearing glasses, make sure that photo actually looks like you close up looking at the camera. So when we get on Zoom, I actually <laughs> recognize you. That's number one. Then after that, the eyes go to the background image. So you definitely want that professional background image. Then they're going to skip down to the headline, which is where I focused on tell people who you help and how you help them in 200 characters or less. Those three things will get to the know and maybe the like. You know, they won't trust you until they read through your profile, look at some of your media, you know, maybe get, even get on the phone with you. But if you can at least get them to feel like they know you and, and kind of like you, then you get, you're a lot further towards closing in on getting that conversation with them. So I would say if you only do those things, do those three things.
1: Perfect. And I was going to ask you the same question. I still will, um, in terms of company pages, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, that. Uh, those things that you've just said sound like they'd still be relevant to me on company pages. So uh, in terms of your logo, making sure that's high quality in terms of the background image and making sure that your description of your company is kind of accurate and up to date. Are there any other things when it comes to company pages that you think are underutilized or underappreciated?
0: Yeah, yeah. So with your company page, again, you want that background image. And if you can make it cohesive, like we're, we're launching this um, software called Fly Message right now. And so all, we're all, we're all, we all have the fly, we all have the fly background. So, so does our company page, obviously. In addition to that, there's a tagline, which is a hundred, maybe it's 220 characters. I can't remember. It's either 120 or 220 characters. There's a tagline. And then there's a, a button that people can press. So it might say, go to my website, you know, read more. And what you want to do is almost make that button. If there's only five options, um, the, the CTA, the call to action that matches to the tagline. So if you, um, you know, Hey, we're launching this cool new piece of, uh, this isn't what ours says, but (laughs) we're this cool new piece of, um, sales productivity software, And then the big blue button says, read more, it's going to guide people to click on that button, the more clicks. And then of course the button takes them to the sales page or to the launch page. And so that's such an amazing free tool and very, very few companies optimize that. And then of course you want to be sharing content. And to my point earlier, the more that you can use that description section in the content, Uh, section of whatever media you're sharing, the more likely people are to, to read and see that content too. And then the final piece I'll say, combining these two things together is that make sure your employees are going to your company page, liking your content because LinkedIn likes that and sharing content from your company page. Because when they do that, the little follow button goes with them or with that content, and you'll get more people following your company page. More people following your company page means more visibility. So those are the things that are not being utilized enough, and that's what people should be doing. And that's what my two courses are actually, variants of that, uh, B2B marketing and then employer branding on LinkedIn. Both of those are variants of what you can do with your employees and your company page on LinkedIn.
1: That's amazing. There's one feature that I love uh, for company pages as well it ties in with what you were just saying about liking, but the notify employees button. Yes. Yes. You, it's just so yeah. handy to yes. you know, get people are on LinkedIn. Yeah. Just a bing. Yeah. And then it comes up as that notification for your employees that you've you know posted new content on your page. So exactly.
0: Um, really like feature you can only do it um, once every 24 hours. So if you are posting more than once a day, then bing, Do that for your most important piece. And then just send an email to your employees. And we do this all the time. Like we always use that notification button. But if there's a post or if there's a reaction to a post that we want our employees' eyes on and activity on, because sometimes one of the things we do is called the social surround. So we'll find our prospects on LinkedIn. They're, They're all on LinkedIn. We'll find our prospects on LinkedIn. The ones who are sharing content, our salespeople will keep an eye on, what they're sharing, they'll respond to the content. And then the rest of us will pile on, they'll send the link to the response. And then we can get in there and pile on and continue the conversation for the salesperson, which promotes massive visibility with our prospect. And so when the salesperson then goes, Hey, want to connect? They're a lot more likely to say yes.
1: Uh, I want to move on to some of the latest LinkedIn features to close the episode today. So I want to start off with story content because that's very new. Um, yes. I'm going to say last six months, maybe. Yeah. I'm curious to you know more than anything. So what I'm seeing is I follow similar people cross-platform. And mm-hmm. so I've started to see people repost the same content on each platform. To be honest, that's a bit irritating. It's boring me now. Yeah. And so what, what I'm interested to know is um, whether you've seen any really good examples of people that are sharing unique content on LinkedIn stories and just your opinion on the feature and whether you like it.
0: Um, so I'm the wrong person to ask because I don't use stories at all. I was like, I want stories, I want stories, I want stories. And then I, it was so freaking time consuming to create a Mm. decent story that I was just like, you know what? I got better time, better things to do with my time. But to your point, if you're already using stories on Facebook, if you're already using stories on Insta, if you're already using stories on Twitter, yes, it's a little monotonous and boring, (laughs) but you know, the omni channel you're very active on all the socials but your audience might not be and so if you're already spending the time to create a good story then why not repurpose it on linkedin i'm little quick story i was about stories, story about stories. I was in, um, I was in Cape Cod with my friend, Sue Zimmerman, who's like the queen of Instagram. She is to Instagram what I am to LinkedIn or vice versa. And so it's really funny because she drives my husband nuts because she's always on her phone because it's her job. And so I'm thinking to myself, like how freaking long can it, I mean, honestly now, how long can it take to do a story? It takes her an hour to do like you know maybe a a a 30 40 50 you know to do three or four slides in a story because she's very i mean this is what she does for a living and she has a ton of people who are engaged with her stories because they're great quality at which point i said i'm not doing stories <laughs> <laughs> because I knew the quality and what I was going to create for LinkedIn was not good. It was going to be subpar to what is really needed in order to get people to engage. That being said, um people who use stories well, I think it's a great tool because what happens is when someone wants to engage with you on your story, it comes across as a private message, which is that's what you want, right? You want private message, private non spammy messages on LinkedIn to start those conversations. Like that's freaking amazing. But in order to get that engagement, I think you have to have quality stories. And in order to have quality stories, it's time consuming. So you have to decide where do you want to spend your time?
1: Hmm. That's pretty, that's a really good, a train of thought for story content. So I like that too. And yeah. I'm finding my feet with story content and deciding how much time I want to commit to it too. So I guess it's a, a question of prioritization.
0: It is. is it
1: yeah. It. Yeah. A couple of other features that I'm aware of, I wanted to ask you about. So LinkedIn live, I just, yeah. I, I didn't know its current status in terms of accessibility. Is it still invite only?
0: It's still invite only. Um, now that's something I'm willing to devote my time to because similarly, once someone's on your live and asking you questions in your feed, what an awesome opportunity to engage with them and engage with them live. It's not like five minutes after or 50 minutes after where you respond to a question in your feed and it's like you already lost that opportunity. It is Bam! in the moment. And so I love, love, love LinkedIn live. Again, some people do it well, some people don't. It's just a matter of how much prep you put into it. I highly recommend if you're going to do live, um, my favorite, my favorite, uh, platform for it is StreamYard because then I can, I can, I can go live on all of my platforms. Mm -hmm. Plus they do things like overlays to make your platform or to make your live look really sophisticated and professional. And if you are going to do a live and if you can afford it or you have someone in your family, you can bribe, try and get a moderator to help you with the flipping and changing of, um, flipping and changing of like the, the, the templates and you know, keeping an eye on the comments and making sure that, you know, they add the banners where it's needed. There's just a lot of moving parts to all of the platforms, but in my case, StreamYard. Um, But if you do it right, it looks really, really good and really professional.
1: Amazing. And lastly, in terms of features, I wanted to ask you about LinkedIn newsletters. And I just I didn't know whether that was also invite only still at this particular it's stage. It's
0: invite only. And I cannot get an invite. I, uh, a friend of mine, Peg Fitzpatrick works um, with Guy Kawasaki and Guy was one of the first people to get newsletters. So I'm like, okay, give me the lowdown, man. Like, how do I do it? And um, even with the lowdown, I I can't, I can't, yeah. but it's so cool. Right. Right. So when you, mm-hmm. when you create content and that's like the only reason to create articles on LinkedIn, um, mm-hmm. LinkedIn will send an email and say, Hey, you should totally read this newsletter and and become a part of the subscription. So it's really awesome. And uh, yeah, if you find out anything, let me know. <laughs> And then we'll let's see. not forget the really cool, because I forgot to mention it when we were talking about um, employee profile optimization. There's a really nifty little feature. It's only available on your mobile device called name pronunciation. So if you've got oh, yeah. a difficult name like mine, I, I'm always getting Viveka, Vivka, Veronica, Vivian, Vivitar, V... Um, and so if you've got a, Von Rossen, so if you've got a difficult name and people are always massacring it, this name pronunciation feature is great. And because you get 10 seconds, and even with a long name, Vivica Velma, Charlotte Von Rosen, even that didn't take 10 seconds, mm-hmm. you can use as many elevator speech. So if you listen to mine, you just go to my profile, look at the the little, um, sound icon right to the right of my name. It says, Hey, I'm Vivica Von Rosen, chief visibility officer with Vangresso, helping you create more, helping B2B sellers create more Anyway, practice it a few times, helping more B2B sellers create qualified and quality conversations on LinkedIn. Um, and so you get to say your name, your title, your company, but also who you help and how you help. So it's a version of your headline, but it's really cool. You can only create it on mobile, but you can listen to it anywhere, anywhere that you can uh, look at a LinkedIn profile. So that is a super nifty little feature that everyone should be making use of if possible.
1: Uh, yeah. You're really using all of the real estate that you've been given. On, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I listen to it. And by the way, as a podcast host, that feature is amazing because yep. there are so many people with pronunciations of their names and you're not sure. And you can always ask, but it's handy to know going It's in handy
0: to know it ahead of time. time.
1: Yeah, no, it is. We had I, I just
0: one one funny story. We had a, a a client and his he was Indian and his name was like forty eight you know characters and sixteen symbols long. And so I'm like, okay, so he didn't have name pronunciation. So then we're like, okay, so then we went to like the eight other contacts we had in the company, and none of them had to say his name. Not a single one of them. So he's like, you can call me Ash. But that, you know, that was a perfect example of, boy, do we wish we had the pronunciation yeah, yeah. tool. It's really helpful for that. Really uh,
1: you helpful. Have been, I, know, I know we're out of time, but I just wanted to say uh, you've you provided so much value. You've been an amazing guest for this podcast. Certainly made me think about LinkedIn a little bit differently and think about some of the features and functionality that I could either use or use better So thanks so much for that. Before I let you go, though, do you want to let our listeners know where they can connect with
0: you and Vingresso? Sure, sure. So if you Google LinkedIn expert, my LinkedIn profile is just like the first, second or third thing that pops up. For sure, invite me to connect. Make sure to customize that invitation. Just let me know that you were that you heard this podcast i 'd be more than happy to connect um, if you want to learn more about social selling, you could just google vengresso one s v e n g r e s o not two it 's not soup one s and um, our YouTube channel has just a ton of free great content. Our website, if you go to Vengresso.com forward slash resources, we've got case studies, ebooks, tools. I, there's just so much free good stuff out there that can help you take your social selling to the next level. And I would love to connect and answer any questions you have as well.
1: Brilliant. I'll link to all of that in the show notes. I want to thank you once again for your time. And this has been the Internet Marketing Podcast. Thank you.